My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. <laughs> everyone and welcome to true crime tuesdays on the girlfriend hour i'm your host rachel faust let's get weird delaware edition yeah <laughs> there it is yeah so we got some um interesting local true crime from straight from delaware yes these so. are famous infamous this is crazy stuff I and was honestly like wait what were you gonna say I was literally at one of the sites of the one I'm going to talk about today. Literally. Were you really? At, literally in the area. Well, before we started true crime, I think we should just like very like lightly brush upon the fact that we are like smack dab in the middle of like a serial killer in Ocean City and then like a murderer yeah. on the loose, like possibly in like Northern Delaware, like South Pennsylvania. We literally drove through there coming back from like the bachelorette party we were at. And like all of this stuff was like just starting to happen. It hasn't been like blowing up today that, you know, he's creeping around Longwood Gardens. They're catching him on these trail cams. Looking like it's just not good. It's <laughs> not good. Like I was like, I said to my aunt, I was like, I never thought I'd see the day where like we have two murderous criminals on the run that are headed straight for each other <laughs> and we're in the middle like I'm like this is great yeah this it's wild like I keep seeing like the updates and stuff on Facebook and it's just like oh my god this is like really happening like in this area- is why like Pete like I don't know if you are like this but I'm gonna say people like us like we are so invested in true crime because if we ever even find ourselves the unfortunate I don't even like the V word, the unfortunate bystander of a potential true crime episode. We know we already have a plan. Like I'm the person that sits in the room. I'm like, okay, if someone breaks in right now, I'm grabbing the mannequin next to me and I'm beating them to death with it. Like I'm just, I'm going to fight like with whatever is here. If it's a table lamp, if it's my vase, if it's like, yeah, I'm not going down. And, like, if you come in my house, you better be prepared to go through an obstacle course because I have a toddler, too. So I hope you enjoy Peppa Pig just absolutely crushing the tendon in the bottom of your foot. (laughs) That's a good uh, deterrent there. Yeah. Yeah. Go for a ride in Peppa Pig's car right (laughs) on the racetrack. You're going to knock your head on something. I won't even have to fight you. You just have to make it through um, the PG Saw version of my child's playland. (laughs) So, but anyway, without further ado, now that you guys know that we're smack dab in the middle of a shit storm, um, I'm going to let Rachel get into our Delaware true crime. All right. So my first one um, that we're going to talk about is Stephen Brian Pinnell, who is also known as the Route 40 killer. So he was operating in Delaware in the 1980s. He was active between 1987 and 1988, where he murdered a bunch of women and he was known to pick up hitchhikers along the route 40 in Delaware. And that kind of earned him his name of the route 40 killer. So I'm going to talk a little bit about his victims here in my, well, my 
I got it on my phone. Um, so Route 40 <laughs> is, you know, near Bear. So that's where Bear, Delaware. So one of his first victims was Shirley Ellis. And on November 29th, 1987, she left the Wilmington Hospital around 6 p.m. Um, and she was trying to hitchhike on Route 40. And her body was found later on the roadside. And all of these, you know, were more kind of like, you know, sexually assault driven kind of things where this one, it said, you know, she was partially nude, but there were no signs of assault, but she had been like severely like abused. So he had tied a string around her neck and was hitting her in the head with a hammer before she had died. Um, which is, which is rough. So, um, the second victim was Catherine DeMario. Something like that. We're going to so, apologize to anyone yeah, that apologize for this. all these names. Yeah. Um, on June 28th, 1988, um, it was about seven months after the first murder. Um, this was, she was walking down Route 40 and at 6.25 a.m. construction workers found her nude body at a construction site. So he's pretty much like picking up hitchhikers um, and, and killing them. And Which, what year was this again? Um, 1980. I feel like that hitchhikers were like a 70s and an 80s thing. That's why I was asking. But literally I'm driving in Milford the other day and there was a guy on Canterbury Road, like just thumb out trying to get a ride. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. I've never seen a hitchhiker. I've always wanted yes. to see one. I wouldn't pick one up. So I'm like really sorry, but like I've always wanted to see one in the wild. Yes, I have seen them. And I'm just like these, I'm like, either you don't care or you really need to get where you're going because never in a trillion million years would I. Pick I was just one gonna up say like you must have like truly like just abandoned any kind of like fuck yep. because I would I just couldn't stick my thumb out and just be like hey I'm I'm just gonna hop in this car dude I freaking just... out about getting an Ubers like we had to get in two Ubers over the weekend and I'm just oh, like that's true technically we're just like Bye. paying hitchhikers yes yes. I'm over here. I'm like, oh, I would never do that. And I'm like, oh, I just paid like $20 in Florida for a Uber. Yes. Which, and so remind me, remind me, there's like a story I do have to tell you because now that you said that, I was like, I don't even know how I forgot about this. I was on a biz- business trip where I'm almost convinced that I was let go by a serial killer. And my aunt can literally attest to this because she was like legitimately like terrified it was a whole ordeal and yeah I am I am not an uber gal and I like I'm on alert the whole time like the second one we got on the way back from dinner um I don't even think his headlights were on we're going around all these like windy curves in Pennsylvania I don't think his lights were on he about hit a cat and a deer I'm like I'm pretty sure his like parking lights his running lights are on I don't think his (laughs) headlights were even on my dude I feel like like I don't know oh what just happened I just like had like a heart attack or something I so uber drivers should have to provide like pictures I mean I guess they could fake that too but like provide some sort of picture that proves that they have working lights working turn signals like, there was like half eaten crackers and like the little thing where I was sitting, I was like sitting like this in the back seat, and I was just like, don't touch anything. Like the window is all like smudged. There's half eaten food. I'm just like, this is it. when Yelp comes in handy. This is when you do deserve a one star. Yes. I'm just like, oh my God. 
<laughs> never again yeah but so, at the time like if you're taking uber you're too drunk to care so it was yeah i'm like <laughs> out um speaking about skeeved out so like his previous victim she was also strangled and killed with a hammer um but unlike the first murder this woman Catherine, was covered in blue fibers so that's going to come into play soon so special police forces, along with the FBI, you know, their pro- profiling unit, they were, um, you know, concluding that the serial killer was uh, operating close to Route 40. So police and fe- federal agents disguised as sex workers attempted to um, lure him and, like, gather some information um, to capture him. So, you know, there wasn't any hits yet, but... Um, August 22nd, 1988, 27-year-old sex worker Margaret Margaret Lynn Fish Thinner, um, she disappeared. Witness had seen her enter a blue Ford driven by a white male near Route 13. So about three months later, her body was found near um, by a hunter near the Chesapeake, Delaware Canal, and her body was badly decomposed that they really couldn't tell if she was connected to this or not. Um, they had to identify her with dental records. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So then another two days later, 22-year-old Michelle Gordon, she was a local sex worker known for frequenting Route 40. She disappeared again to a blue Ford. Um, okay. And on tw- September 20th, her body was found on the rocks at the Chesapeake, Delaware Canal. Um, she was drugged, and um, which caused her heart to stop before she was tortured. Oh, thank God. So like, then, yeah, September 23rd, um, Kathleen Meyer um, disappeared and pol- a police officer saw her get into a blue Ford on Route 40 at 9.30 p.m. Um, he was able to write down the license plate number, which turned out to belong to our guy, um, but her body was never found. What? With that, um, on September 14th, 1988... Renee Tashner, an undercover police officer posing as a sex worker, roamed Route 40 in an attempt to, like, catch the killer. And, like, that is, like, the most, like, ballsy thing ever. Like, I give her kudos. Those cops, like, um, episodes where they, like, pose as them and, like... Have you ever watched Miami Vice? No. (laughs) Dude, you gotta watch Miami Vice. That's what it reminds me of. I'm like, they're wild. Like, Like, these female (laughs) cops, that's what they do. They pose as sex workers and, like, they're brazen and I'm like that takes like I mean I'm just gonna say it takes balls of steel because yeah. I would be like shaking be like, knowing uh, them uh. getting into a car with a serial killer are you a cop no no <laughs> no I would give myself away within the first five seconds I'd be so nervous I'd be like I'm not a cop I mean I don't even know what cops do like they don't you know I don't and then my badge would like fall out of like my exactly. purse it would falling just be bad falling out of <laughs> I would be stumbling. I'd be like, that's not a badge. That is um you're still wearing I, your uniform. That's that's a toy. <laughs> it's a toy from KB Toys, okay? <laughs> God. So after several passing vehicles, she spotted a blue Ford seven times in 20 minutes. So she that's went to a more isolated area and the vehicle stopped next to her. So the driver was a white male, um, and she had noticed the floor was blue carpet. So those blue fibers that they had found on um, somebody else, that's where they were kind of appearing. So the floors. Yes. Of his car. And I'm like, 
blue carpet, like, ooh. Um, so the man appeared nervous and, you know, not looking at her in the eyes, but, you know, he still attempted to convince her to enter the car. So she refused, claiming that she was tired, you know, managed to get some blue fiber from the from that car and get the license plate number. So, um, you know, he was identified that the vehicle belonged to him, 31-year-old electrician, married father of two, no criminal record. What? Yes. That boggles my mind. Like how like what I just want to know what like provokes somebody to just start killing. It's just like, oh, by the way, you know, I'm just gonna just start doing this now. I think of the spouses too. Yeah. Like spouses and kids, like you ever watch videos of like kids whose parents are like just the things that they say and they're like, I legitimately am like traumatized. Like, and I'm like, I can't imagine. Can't imagine. That's wild. Yeah. So they attained a search warrant of the uh, the blue Ford and um, so that they could arrest this guy. So while searching the vehicle, the prints matched the blood, the hair of the victims, as well as adhesive tape from some of the um, some of the victims. A torture kit was also found, which included pliers, handcuffs, needles, knives and restraints. So he was then arrested November 29th, 1988, a year after murdering the first victim. And so he was charged with three killings. Um, he was eventually arrested and convicted for the murders, and he was sentenced to death in 1989. Um, so he was in prison life, like there was no... Um, Did he actually see the death sentence? Like, because, you know, some people are like sentenced to death and they'd either die before or get changed. Yes. yes. So he, prior to his execution, numerous reporters had asked him about, you know, the location of what was her name? Um, Is this the one they never found? The one that they never found. Her last name was Myers, Myers body. And he turned down every request to, to say where it was. Um, even when it came close to the execution date, he agreed to be interviewed by one newspaper with his lawyer present. During the interview, he revealed no new information or where the body was hidden. That's weird. Yeah. Like, I would just want to know, like, you killed all these women and you're really stupid to, like, leave behind stuff. But, like, they never found this one body and he just wouldn't And now you're going to play it. these games? Yeah. You're going to play a game of, like, I'll talk to one newspaper. And then you never revealed that. I'd be like either, I don't know. I use like, I'd be a food person. I would be like, you want your last meal? Yeah. Like give us the information or like you can starve and then go to the death sentence and enjoy that empty stomach and eternal damnation. Yep. So on March 14th, 1992 at 9:40 9:49 a.m. he was executed by lethal injection becoming the first person executed in Delaware in 46 years and the 165th person um to be executed in the United States since the death penalty was reinstated in 1976 hmm. um and his last meal consisted of crab cakes steak corn on the cob french fries bread butter and um a soda <gasps> That makes me so mad. What would your last meal be? What would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Probably potato skins. I love potato skins. Like I'm a sucker. Yeah. Like potato. I've been wanting mashed potatoes so bad lately. (laughs) (laughs) Mashed potatoes does sound good. I like the chunky mashed potatoes. Oh yeah. 
What would yours be? Man, a last meal. I would have to go just like him, like crab cakes, like a bit, like a crab cake and a big old fat Bloody Mary or something. Oh, I didn't even think about alcohol. I would have like a margarita. Yeah, like a fixins, like Bloody Mary. The whole like, give me a big old pitcher of just margaritas. Give me like <laughs> some like <laughs> Fleetwood Mac margaritas and like potato skins, and then maybe like a junior bacon cheeseburger. Okay, sounds like really odd, but yeah, Chick Fil A sw- fries and a sweet tea. Oh. Mm. That does sound. See, I feel like I would be like so indecisive, and they'd be like, you know what? To the electric chair. Yeah, you get nothing. All over the place. All over <laughs> Enjoy the place. this Popeyes biscuit with no water. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, actually, we forgot, and uh, don't care about your meal. Have you seen Nefarious? Mm-mm. You have to watch it. Okay. I can't say what I wanted to say because it had to do with like a last meal, but the scene killed me it ripped my heart out and fed it to me straight it was like so sad and I was like oh my gosh I'm like if Rachel hasn't seen this and you have to watch it it's really good yeah so that is our like most you know we might be on to serial killer status now but the guy on the run right now is not hasn't killed anyone he's just on the run but this guy was like you know Delaware's kind of serial killer yeah wait I thought the guy that's on the run did kill somebody he did kill somebody but it's not like he's seeking out like more people to kill he's just basically escaped and on the run now he killed somebody just don't tell on him and then he killed his like girlfriend or something she was gonna turn him in yeah so like yeah just and then he escaped from prison so that's kind of y'all need to fix that that scares me right there like if he escaped from prison prison the problem yeah that's yeah i i don't know and then the guy that's like in ocean city that's like a rough one did you see that ring cam footage no it's like really confusing because when you first see it and you don't know the context behind it you're like just kind of looks like an ex like like a boyfriend that's now an ex-boyfriend getting kicked out of his girlfriend's house because like he's got like his shirt in his hand and he doesn't have like a shirt on and he looks like agitated and like the door like slams behind him and you don't see his face but like they're using this because it's the only thing that they have to go off of but he like went and like trigger warning this is gonna include like sexual um assault but he went in and R- like rape'd this girl and she was like in such shock apparently that like it wasn't like a fight or anything it was like it happened and then is i guess she's out of like huh yeah I guess that's that's what I was reading there's not like a ton of details but um the videos of her like pushing him out of the house and like shutting the door behind him but it looks so casual it's like really scary like when you know that what happened because everybody's like oh like he can't be that bad it probably was like a domestic or something and then like a bunch of people were like no they're this came out like from the police stations like they're telling people like this is all they have to go off of image wise, but that the DNA that was found on this girl is also connecting to like, I don't know how many, so don't quote me on this, but like six other murders. And they're now thinking that like, he's like a serial killer. And so like, he went from like, um, 
I can't remember what the town is in Maryland. Maryland's got too many freaking places there, but he like worked his way down to like Ocean City and like is like coming this way. And so like we're like on alert from both sides because we have this guy that just like escaped and then we have this person who now is potentially a serial killer because his DNA is like incriminating him with like these other murders. Let me tell you, ring ring doorbell footage when you see that stuff come up is like so eerie. Like, it, oh my God, like the ones you see on TikTok, I'm pretty sure I follow a page and it's just like weird ring doorbell stuff. God, that stuff is like goosebumps, like creepy stuff. Like people just wandering up at like 3 a.m. Like, hey, can I can I use your phone? Like, no, like, mm-mm. mm-mm. It's just weird. Why are like, people locking their doors? I will compulsively lock the door or check the door. Like, like that's no. Matt. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm convinced it's because Matt's seen some stuff. Because Matt is like, I'm like, he literally will like go downstairs, lock everything up, and then he's like, "Let me. I just gotta go make sure all the doors are locked." And he goes yes. down again and like locks that's them. Me. And I'm like, "Okay." Yep. And then like, <laughs> like it's yep. like the middle of the night, and he's like, "Did I lock the front door?" And I'm like, "Matt, you locked it twice." Like. <laughs> Yep, that's me closing shift. I was like, I gotta make sure everything's locked and shut. And it's scary. But like yep. going back to like what you said about Ring, not to deter too much, but there was um a night and like I have the video somewhere and I really want to learn how to like paste videos and stuff into Zoom because I like the dog started going crazy and Bosley like when he's upstairs he doesn't he doesn't bark at anything like going on unless he like physically if somebody's like within like feet of the house so like if he starts to bark that's when I get up and I'm like okay like Matt like so I heard him doing like that growl thing that he does and then he like barked and it was kind of like mom get up and so like I got Matt up and Matt like goes to look and he's like I felt like I heard somebody and like we didn't see anyone and he's checking the windows so then my normal instinct is like I go to the ring camera Rachel I almost threw up because I opened it and I mean the wind is blowing all the time it's a much different sound this was breathing like it was like like somebody was out of breath like standing right next to the ring and I said Matt so Matt's sitting there and he's like well mm, what I mm." And, like, kept stopping. I was like, yeah, because you can't figure it out either. Like, I was puzzled. But then, like, I was sitting there and my body was, like, so tense because I'm like, is somebody out there? And then, like, of course, you know, he goes down there and he's like, well, I'm going to look. And he gets all amped up and he's like, all right. Like, I'm like, don't just don't open the front door. Let them come in. Like, let them infiltrate our territory because then we have every right to, like, send them out in a body bag. That's the way this rolls. Like... (laughs) And Matt's just like, no, I'm going to go see. I'm like, okay, this is every horror movie on the planet. And you're going to leave me to fend with just the two dogs and Maisie and like. God. So, yeah, but it was freaky. So I'll have to find the video and like send it to you. But it was probably the creepiest. I sent it to my mother-in-law because I was like, is it just me? Or does that sound like somebody like legitimately out of breath? Because it was it was breathing. It was not wind. Wind just kind of sounds like it's like, like, you know, like that. This was like inhale, exhale. So yeah. God. Still still didn't find a reason for it. Couldn't, but like and Matt said, he was like, I felt like I heard somebody. He's like, so he thought somebody was like around the house. 
and we've had some weirdos like come through we had a guy that like stole our neighbor's purse out of her garage and was like high as a kite and was walking through our backyard with one high heel on and like a trench coat and like he was like half naked yeah it happens all the time i mean we got shawnee acres we got we got yeah there's a lot (laughs) i'm starting to think it's just me being the magnet like the epicenter for yeah (laughs) but anyways so now that we've digressed what is your next delaware local true crime all right so this is where I was earlier today. So when we we talk about this, so this is one I remember hearing my dad talk about and um, uh, my Nana is a hairdresser and she used to do this guy's mother's hair. So it's kind of like, you know, Delaware is very small and who's who and everyone knows each other. So this one is like, I remember hearing about um, and the odd details of it and very, very crazy stuff. So um, this is the murder of Kimberly Holton. Um, she was a 16-year-old who was living with her foster parents. Her um, her real parents were kind of in and out, drugs, things like that. So she had a difficult childhood moving in with different relatives until she was with her foster parents. So she was in her third year at Dover High School, and she had been living with her foster parents for about two years at the time of the incident. So Um, Her foster mom saw her on the night of September 29th, 2003, and it wasn't uncommon for her to run away and come back, but this time, you know, sadly, she did not come back. So she was reported missing on October, oh, the next day, and then on October 8th, um, a couple on their boat found Kimberly's decomposing body about four miles off the New Jersey coastline. She was bound with duct tape and had a chain wrapped around her feet. Um, Just horrible. So the autopsy confirmed that the fractures on her skull and um, the medical examiner theorized that it might've been from a fall from a great height. Um, She was identified with her fingerprints, which led her back to here since they found her in New Jersey. Um, So, The chain is where they kind of started. It was wrapped around her. The manufacturer of the chain led them to a local hardware store in Dover. And so, which sold those chains, which would be the Lowe's um, right there by Chick-fil-A and Sam's Club. My favorite Lowe's. (laughs) I was literally in that parking lot today. And we'll talk about the um, little sketchy motel that's right there. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I was literally like, I was there today at that Lowe's in that parking lot, like in view of like, you know, I've always said that it looks like sketchy shit goes down at that hotel. Oh, are you kidding me? Just watch it for five minutes and you're like, true, true. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, they look through security footage and they, you know, oh my gosh, sorry. There's a uh, FaceTime coming through. Um, <laughs> even phone is on do not disturb and all those things it's fine so they look through security footage they realize that the chain and some cinder blocks were bought by two men on september 30th um so they saw that video and put it out to the public so that they could maybe you know catch who these two guys were so um one of the two men from the footage came forward he told the police that there was he was there with a friend named jacob jones And he was told to pick up those things because they were going to build some workout equipment. 
you know, chains and cinder blocks and, you know, some good old. <laughs> Just like pulling cinder blocks with chains. Yeah. yeah. So Jacob Jones was a 20 year old studying at DSU and he was the boyfriend of Kimberly's foster sister. So he was studying aircraft at um, and a part-time instructor at the Delaware Air Force Base. And so there was, you know, just some connections where it was just like, you know, what's kind of going on between this guy and, you know, the foster sister, Kimberly. So Kimberly and her sister did not get along the foster sister. And, you know, there was just some kind of weird, like, weird thing with them. So he was brought in for questioning on October 17th, and he had admitted to buying the chains and the center blocks and, you know, was really keeping up with this was our workout equipment. And I was just like, this is, this is ridiculous. So before the police could get any further with him, he killed himself on October 20th. And that, that doesn't say I knew something. Guilty. Exactly. So um, before his death, he had told his father about the involvement. And he also named his 23-year-old friend, Michael Kaiser, who might've been involved with this as well. So Michael was then questioned on October 27th, where he admitted to being present when Kimberly was murdered. And he said, in fact, he had picked her up on the 29th from her house. They had drove to a local motel where Jacob was already there. So that motel to the side of Lowe's um, told Kimberly that they wanted to help her with the issues that had been with her foster family. Um, both Michael and Jacob had sex with her at different times. And when she had got out of the shower later, Michael said that Jacob smothered her while Michael was like holding her down and threatened like, oh God, I can't even imagine. Um, so oh then Jacob gosh. threatened to kill him and his girlfriend if Michael didn't help him. That's a lot to process. Yeah. So after her death, the two guys found her with duct tape, wrapped her in a blanket, put her in the tr trunk of Jacob's car. And then they think that he drove to the Air Force Base and they took off in a plane. So there are records of him taking off at around 11.45 p.m. on September 30th and returning around 1 a.m. the next day. They loaded her body into the plane, flew out to the Atlantic Ocean and dumped her body in there. Um, they were hoping that they would her remains would sink with the chains and the cinder blocks and they think the workout that, equipment the workout equipment um the, the authorities believe that the center block shattered upon impact and that's why she kind of floated and did not sink that's um, probably was that where the head injury came from i'm assuming they said from <laughs> a high impact so then they had also found a receipt from a motel um, on the 30th in Jacob's dorm room. So really gross of them, like, uh, to just, like, lure like this young girl. Yep. Do what they did with her, especially when this is his, her foster sister's boyfriend. Yep. And there was and some then, kind of, like, issues or fighting or weirdness about it. And it's just like, you killed somebody over, like, if that was your motive, like, like, that's not even, like, your fight. Yeah. 
Like let them like let them like fight it out. Yeah. Damn. So Michael was offered a plea deal, but turned it down and opted to go to a trial. Um, he was convicted of first degree murder and cons- conspiracy to commit a murder. Um, and that was November 2004. So then he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And he is still incarcerated at the James T. Vaughn Correctional Center in Smyrna, Delaware. Wow. That's crazy. That, that is like, that's like movie stuff. Like, that's not I, over Delaware. <laughs> no. Like, if you know Delaware, like... That's just not like we have some like we had a meth lab blow up once and like There's always meth labs blowing up. <laughs> like that's about like about, yeah that's <laughs> that's about like the norm for us. Yeah. But like to have like that like that's just yeah that's bad. Yeah, I was literally sitting in that parking lot today. Like after leaving Lowe's, I did not leave with cinder blocks and chain for our workout equipment and there's the motel just sitting there and I was sitting there I was like hold on I was like we're talking about this tonight and I was just like so crazy it's just weird isn't it weird to think about like your hometown because like we even where like my hometown where I grew up like we had I think three like notable ones like where there was like a body found behind like the shop right and this chick was like murdered and so it's like you think about it because like these are places that you like you frequent and you're like I'm like standing somewhere where like a really like evil plan and like thought either like came to fruition or was like plotted. Yeah. yeah. It just absolutely wild. That's that's insanity. I I don't know. Like I feel so bad. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship she had with like her foster parents. But I mean, like, if they did care about her, like, I feel terrible for them. And I feel terrible for her. her. Reported her missing pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. They had to wait. But I'm just like that. I just can't like, and this is why we talk about all this stuff. Because I'm just like, never in my brain would be like, let me put this person and I'm going to go rent a plane from my college where I do like flight stuff. And we're just going to, you know. I could see I just don't understand blood, people who can carry that on their conscience. Yeah. That's what gets me is like the conscience thing. Like exactly. I I feel like my conscience those, like, haunts me. Yeah, I, I feel like those people don't have those their brains not right. Yeah, that one kind of left me, that one left me. That one left me a little speechless. That's terrible. And it's just like still like even like that was 2003. Like there were still cameras. There are cameras everywhere. So I'm just like, I don't understand people who still like commit these crazy things. Like there are ring doorbells everywhere. People have cameras all over the house. Like, it's just like. But they think like, oh, if I buy this with cash or oh, if I like, they will trace you. Like there are Mm -hmm. eyes and ears everywhere. And if you don't know that by now and like not to get into conspiracy and that whole thing, but truly like, I mean, the government, they see and hear everything that you do. There's a reason for that. Like instances like this where I think like. There's been enough crime at this point that, like, they're like, yeah, it's probably smart if we pretty much bug every electronic on the universe because my dad's always like, leave your phone at home. Like, <laughs> that's his. Uh... <laughs> your dad literally kills me. Like, leave he's so funny. Don't talk about it. <laughs> his name's Ronnie, right? Yeah. Shout out, Ronnie. 
<laughs> and then if you didn't know, our super fan, Nana, that's Ronnie's mother. So it only makes sense that like the two greatest people on the earth are related. So shout out to Nana and Ronnie. Hey, she's been waiting. She's been checking the YouTube because she's been waiting yes. to watch it. She was oh, like, I gotta, up- I gotta like, did I not upload her? <laughs> I've been so bad with YouTube. I am like literally <laughs> terrible. You know what I should? Because my Morgan, mom's I'm always waiting. yelling at me. Huh? She said, tell Morgan I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Nana. I have to, I have to get better with YouTube. I will, I will admit that. Like I have been totally neglecting Facebook yeah. and YouTube. She likes to watch it. I'm like, you can listen to it, but she's a, she got to watch it in between Judge Judy and Law and Order. I thought, I guess I am behind because I don't, I was like, oh, I thought I, uh, our last one was Lake Lanier. So I do have to upload it because we shouted her out in the last one too. Okay. So we're shouting you again, Nana. So you're going to have two episodes to to catch up on (laughs) and you're getting shouted out in both and Ronnie. Ronnie's getting a (laughs) shout out. Hey, he was trying to get us the uh, lawyer who was on this case. He was, yeah, he was totally like passion driven the minute like you mentioned you're like hey I need you to and he jumped right in he's like all right this is what I got for you and I was like this is the kind of energy we need in our lives the line of work he knows it all he's seen this guy I wonder what he looks like like a nerd you want to see a picture of him yeah show me a picture is it like okay so this was this was the guy that killed himself Jacob Jones. He looks like a coward. <laughs> I'm gonna say that if you honestly do something like that and then kill yourself, you're a coward. I I said what I said. Let me see this gem. He looks like the guy. Have you ever seen the guy that does like he's like Reese's Pieces? Like, and he's like, what's his name? Oh my! I'm gonna send you that video too. There's her. Oh, oh, I hate the background just always. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I can't see that. I'm going to take your word for it, though. <laughs> Man, these people are so stupid. I can't. That's what I have to say about that. But he, um, <laughs> my dad works in the prison system here. So he knows, sees a lot of inmates and he saw michael kaiser and the guy was like i know you and he was like yeah i know you too and he's like your mom did my mom's hair and he's like cool like <laughs> wait oh my god why didn't i piece that together so nana yeah. nana yep nana yep did his mom's hair wow my light bulb just went off like super delayed all that like small small stuff everyone knows everything and oh everyone- my gosh was nana like totally floored I don't know. We'll have to call her after this. We're going to ask <laughs> That's crazy. Wait, you should call Nana live. You should call her live. Let's get her if she'll answer. All right, we're going to call Nana live and get her, her thoughts on this. <laughs> She's going to, I'm going to be like, you're on right now. She's going to be all <laughs> live. She's not going to answer and I'm going to freak out. <laughs> oh, Hi. Guess what? I was talking to Sue. What? You are live on the podcast right now. So, um, hi, Nana. Yeah. 
Morgan. <laughs> yes. Hi, Nana. I um I was telling Rachel I will update our YouTube pronto. I've been slacking. Well, you better get them. I like watching them. <laughs> you right, got so it. The, the real reason we called you is we just talked about, we're talking about local Delaware stuff, and we just talked about Michael Kaiser. Yes. So tell tell us tell us what you know about this. He had killed the girl and threw her out of the airplane. Mm -hmm. And her mother, his mother used to work at the commissary and I used to do her hair. And he's been in jail ever since. He's got life. Yeah. Were you floored when you like heard the news? Absolutely. I, and yes. In fact, her, the mother was so embarrassed. That she quit coming to me. She wouldn't. She didn't let me do her hair anymore. She was out embarrassed. Oh, well, I bet. You know, she went to somebody that didn't know who she was. That's so sad, though. It is because she really liked the way I did her hair, and all of a sudden, it was just poof. <laughs> you know, I was the best. I was going to say, I don't think her hair ever looked like that. It never looked that good ever again, Nana. There it is. Oh, look at that sweet face. We just, we just adore you. Oh, we're getting. Oh, is it breaking up? A connection here. Oh, there you are. You're coming to Rachel's party Friday night? I am. I don't even care. She's on podcast, aren't she? She's not even <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Okay, I can't wait to see you. I'm gonna be, a, I'm gonna be glued to your hip. Yes, I'm excited. I will be more than happy to have you glued to my hip. All right, we just had to get the first, first uh, hand account from uh, the woman who knows it all, knows everyone. I'm making good meatballs. <laughs> all right, we're gonna get back oh, at it. No, don't hang up. <laughs> all right we gotta get back at it all right bye. bye i literally love her i just she's like such a sweet little cherub i just want to like pinch her hilarious i her like that was the funniest thing just, <laughs> it's sad though it's so sad uh, like i just can't imagine like knowing somebody in real life and just being like oh your person that's connected to you just killed somebody in a very heinous way like my brain could never like get past that yeah yeah and like yeah I don't it's like, just crazy one, only one like that's kind of close um there's out near the base Fort Mahon Fort Mahon with um like little creek area there's like you know water and everything there was a girl that we went to church with you know this was you know we were like in our 19 20 or so she got you know tangled up with some wrong guys and we're doing a drug deal gone wrong and they were gonna rob this guy so she lured him out to this place and there was a guy waiting for for him and shot the guy that they were luring out there. And I remember seeing that name and I'm like, how do I know that name? And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I know who that is. 
I never thought I'd be able to use this line ever again. But ma'am, that was not very Christian of you. Exactly. Two times. You you can't you can't you cannot attend church and then have somebody like you can't put a hit on somebody. What is that? She was just the one that bored the guy out there, and then they had, of course. Her phone ping there, all the text messages. That's why my my dad says it. Leave your phone at home. Don't put it in writing. Like, I mean, at this point, we probably have like a tracking chip in our ass. Like, I just like I don't even think it's about the phone anymore. Like, we definitely are chipped and like tagged at some point. They just have to like just like risk it all to be stuck in prison the rest of your life like i just yeah that part also gets me like who wants to eat that nasty ass cafeteria food and like have a roommate like people irritate me yeah the only roommate that i can even really stay well i should say because i have two uh, i have four roommates technically and i'm (laughs) like but like we have like space if i was in that small cell with like two other people one other person I, I couldn't live like that for the rest of my life. And like, I would be angrier and angrier by the day because it'd be like lack of sunshine, lack of good food. I just, I, I wouldn't, I would be a very nasty individual. All right. Yeah. You tell us what you got going All on. Right, so I'm actually going to do one instead of the two that I have. Um, so this way we don't go too crazy over our time limit here. Um, okay, but this one's a good one. Another one. This one's which huh? one do you do? I'm going to do a uh, Capano. Okay. Yeah. Save the other one because I have Delaware Ghosts. So we could do that one kind of ties in. Okay. Because I feel so I actually I was going to text you and I literally had the text drawn up and completely forgot. I went to Walgreens today to get Maisie some stuff and they had at the register um two books. You saw oh, them? Yes. I, I was going to buy them and I was going to be like, you know, this could be like fun to like read for the podcast. I'm like... I- I think I have one. I'll have to look. Okay. I I have a lot of Gettysburg books, but I don't <laughs> I don't have a lot of Delaware haunting books. So that's why I was like, this could be probably helpful. Yeah, I heard your one story when we did the the ghost tour of the green. So yeah. Yeah. And when we talk about Delaware ghosts. So we'll so we'll save the other one. Yeah. Because that one's like an old, old one. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, so we'll save the creep one. But this one is about a gentleman who was very well respected. His name was Thomas J. Capano. Um, and he was a former deputy eternal, eternal, oh, let me try that again. Former deputy attorney general of Delaware. It's a mouthful. Um, and in this one, unfortunately, justice was served, but at the same time, not served on the flip side of things because the body was never recovered of his victim um so mr capano um he basically he had a wife but he had a very bad habit of having mistresses (laughs) and it was not one mistress it was not like two mistresses like he just had a very bad habit of like a lot of mistresses (laughs) So I'm going to say his two main mistresses are going to be the the main side chick. The main, yes. The main, uh, can they even really be sides? <laughs> they're not the entree, but they're like the, yeah, I don't know what to call them, but they're, they're the mains. So um, the victim here is a woman by the name of Anne Marie Fahey. 
She was 28 years old at the time of her death. Um, and she was the appointment secretary to uh, Governor Thomas, uh, Thomas Carper. So um, they had started having an affair. And the part that I don't understand with Mr. Capano is he was a very, um, even though like he had mistresses, his mistresses were not allowed to have, what is like the male version of mistress? Hmm. I don't know. They were not allowed to have boy toys. We'll say that. Of course not. So, like, it just cracks me up because I'm like, he was an extremely jealous individual. He was allowed to have mistresses, even though he was married and, like, this super highly regarded person. Um, and it it just basically floored everybody when all of this came out. So, Capano was a member of a super prominent family of Delaware. Uh, land developers and building contractors he became very rich he was super connected um with a state prosecutor and political consultant he was basically known to everybody in the political system in delaware um Anne marie fahey was the personal scheduler to governor thomas r carper she was an attractive 30 year old member of another well-known family um, and was attempting to end a romantic relationship with Capano. So she no longer wished to carry on the affair, but Capano being the super jealous mistress holding man that he was, was like, well, if I can't have you, then nobody can have you. So as a result of this, he murdered her. He dumped her body into the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and basically all of Delaware... This is like a super hot, you know, trial that went on um, as U.S. Attorney uh, Colm F. Connolly built a case against him. Um, so he was tried and he was sentenced to death in 1999 uh, by the Superior Court Judge William Swain Lee. Um, and in January 2006, the Delaware Supreme Court affirmed his conviction for murder, but remanded the case for sentencing because the death penalty was imposed by a non-unanimous jury verdict. Um, in February of that year, the state abandoned their efforts for capital punishment, opting to leave Capano in prison for life without parole. Capano's attorney stated that they would continue to appeal his conviction in federal courts. Um, and in April 2008, the U.S. District Court reaffirmed Capano's conviction, rejecting an appeal, um, which was made by Capano's lawyers. So the funniest thing about this was that he, like, he, even though he was sentenced to death, this whole thing went on, you know, and they were like, all right, he's going to rot to death, like, in prison for the rest of his life. Um, his ending is very ironic to who he was as a person. Um, so we're going to kind of get into the disappearance investigation a little bit. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of a synopsis here. So basically, Anne-Marie Fahey, which we discussed, was the scheduling secretary for the Governor Carper. Uh, she was last seen alive on Thursday, June 27th in 1996. She went to dinner with Capano in Philly 
And then Fahey's family reported on June 30th, 1996, that she was missing. Um, there was an extensive investigation concerning her disappearance that ensued, and the investigation culminated in November 1997, over 16 months later, in Capano's arrest for her murder. Fahey's body was never found. However, the state was unable to establish the precise manner by which Fahey died. Um, so... There was really no closure here. Um, what I was super interested when I was reading this to to kind of get into was how they came to the conclusion that it was Capano who was the one that murdered her. If her body was never found, you know, what kind of evidence did they piece together to kind of incriminate him? Um, so... Fahey's disappearance was a mystery for a considerable time before Capano was charged with her murder. Capano, who was the last person to have seen her alive on June 27th, 1996, was an early suspect in the investigation by the Wilmington police. By mid-July 1996, the FBI actively joined in the investigation and a federal grand jury heard evidence for over a year. In September 1995, Fahi met Michael Scanlon while she was still involved in the relationship with Capano. After a rocky beginning in her relationship with Scanlon, she fell in love with him. Capano murdered her at the house he rented, and with the assistance of his brother Jerry Capano, dumped her body in the Atlantic Ocean. Jerry Capano owned a boat, and when it was sold, its two anchors were missing. Detectives suspected that the boat's anchors were used to weigh down Fahi's body. On November 8, 1997, Jerry Capano was interviewed by detectives and told them that Thomas had asked for the boat and then admitted to Jerry that he had murdered someone who was attempting to extort him. They went to Stone Harbor, New Jersey, which I was like, this is crazy because I've been there, um, with a large cooler that contained Fahi's body, as this type of cooler is frequently used by fishermen. It was not considered suspicious. Um, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I feel like if I ever see somebody buying a, a cooler that big, the true crime in me is going to be like, what are you doing with that? Is it really for fish? Is exactly. it? Um, but the Capanos went 62 miles out to sea and pushed the cooler overboard. However, it floated even though they shot the cooler. Thomas retrieved the cooler, took the body out, and wrapped the anchor chains around it. Jerry then was asked to help dispose of a bloodstained sofa and carpet in a dumpster. So they just tossed it into a dumpster. Um, and this is why I was saying I was really intrigued. I'm like, well, how did they come to this conclusion? And then when I started reading the evidence, I'm like, you guys left a paper trail. Man. Like, that's that's it. That's <laughs> Literally, like, I'm like, you guys just threw it into a dumpster. Like, somebody's not going to, like, be like, hey, look at this sofa and bloodstained um, carpet. So um, it was in a dumpster, which was managed by another, bro another brother, Lewis. Subsequently, Thomas ordered Lewis to empty the dumpsters, and Lewis had them emptied out of their regular schedule. The cooler was found on July 4th, 1996, by fisherman Jay Chubb. Investigators did not... <laughs> I can't say that word without laughing. Um, investigators did not have a murder weapon or a body. And investigators, um, investigations into Capano's records in buying guns was not revealing. However, Capano's mistress, Debbie McIntyre, so this is the second main mistress, um, had bought, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, 
Deborah McIntyre. So she had bought a gun <laughs> and when questioned by investigators, admitted to supplying the weapon to Capano. So she was an accessory. And I mean, quite honestly, I hate when a lot of these mistresses or these women, they're like, I had no idea. Like, if you're romantically involved with somebody, like, I mean, I can understand there's some people like that are maybe like just oblivious or maybe they aren't having a good time in their marriage and they're not as connected. But like, I don't know about you. Like, if Matt even farts, like, I know he farts. He could be like downstairs. I'm like, did you fart? Like, because like, that's how connected you are. Like, you're with this person every day. You've taken a vow to them. Like, this is, it just, I guess it just boggles my mind that like, you can claim that like you have no idea any of this is going on and he brought the whole family into this literally he has both his brothers he's already a high profile like type guy and then we bring in these you know she worked for what the governor literally we bring in the whole family and it's and just you like, know everybody in that office knew an affair was going on exactly like that kind of stuff spreads around work like a wildfire so like how like do you not you know what i'm saying so if she went missing that's definitely what put him on the map because people are like oh we know that they were like doing some naughty stuff that's why Um, i'm totally on the the side of um the woman with chris watts like she she had involvement in that i know she did a hundred percent not a doubt in my mind i know she did and she just looks evil yeah so if you hear this, we know. We know yeah. what you did. Yeah. Um, so the craziest part that I was reading about the trial. So there was, they basically took a poll when everybody went into the courtroom, right? And the jury, they said, was split, like, legitimately, like, straight down the center. Wow. Half the people were like, no, there's no way he could have done this, like, a body wouldn't even fit into a cooler and all this stuff, right? And then the other half was like, he definitely did this, like without a doubt in our mind. And so um, that was before it even had started. So they start doing, oh, sorry, I have the yawns tonight. Um, <laughs> but um, they start getting into the evidence and whatnot. And there was a girl um, who was in the audience that was basically she i think she was 20 i want to say she was close in age to the victim um and they were you know somebody and she had recounted that somebody in the courtroom had said like people were arguing about the whole cooler thing they were like there's no way you can put a body in there yada 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 and somebody in in the jury was like you know well let's put like let's use the cooler and like let's put a body in there and see if it'll fit or whatever and they were like well do we have anybody in the room and it was this uh i think her last name is riley they uh erin something riley they basically said like she said she felt all eyes in the room on her because she was only a couple inches shorter than the victim and everybody was kind of like all right you're gonna step up to the plate like so then she did she was like this is gonna help you know give this woman justice so she um kept her heels on she said to make up for a couple of inches um that the victim would have had so they did they opened up the cooler 
she stepped in and she said that she felt like this rush of just like nervousness come over her and she said she kept her eyes like squeezed tight during the entire thing and she didn't know why she did that but she said it was such a dark like just horrible feeling and she said that you know when she put in there um you know that thomas capano had claimed that he put the victim on her side and pushed her knees up into like a fetal position and like described how he had put her into the cooler um and i don't know why this cooler like i'm not really sure why it was like super significant especially after having claimed that they had you know changed some things around and whatnot oh it's had anchors to it but when they used the actual cooler like she got in the one i don't know if it so that's why i need a clarification i don't know if it was the actual cooler or if it was one that was like a replica but she like said that she had like such an emotional reaction to it so that when she got out of the cooler she literally walked to like the back of the room and began like immediately sobbing and she said that like she just started to talk to the victim like praying and was just like i'm so sorry that this happened to you like i'm so sorry and like was just like hysterical and she's like i can't imagine you know what she felt or what you know and whether she was dead or not or you know whatever was going on she just said like in her mind she was so distraught and it just it was so emotion evoking that i think it was like five to seven women in that courtroom changed their side and was like he did it a hundred percent and so the cooler moment was just so significant in this trial and i'm not really sure kind of why they were harping on it to begin with if they i mean regardless the boat was missing two anchors so whatever they did with her i mean there's enough to incriminate them that they did it i was just trying to look at like pictures of like everyone yeah it's it was like she's the one she was she was uh wasn't she bundy's friend and roll she writes all like the true crime books she wrote a book about him really yeah i have to read that because this case honestly was very interesting to me because he was like a very political figure and like we all know that in politics some shit goes down and it usually gets covered up but like this was like a very high profile case because it involves somebody very well respected from a very wealthy family in delaware just had to put like faces to like the names and stuff like that wow look at this guy what a nerd he just looks like he's crotchety. You won't be able to see it. That's <laughs> why I cannot wait to figure out how to get like pictures and stuff in here. But that, so they, and then another thing was they kept saying that like he was very handsome. And so kind of getting to the end of him being sentenced to death. So I thought it was like the judge was just spot on. Um, judge William Swainley could have overturned jury's January 28th recommendation and sentenced Capano to life in prison without parole. But before Tuesday's sentencing, Judge Lee had indicated his decision by saying that he would give the jury's recommendation great weight. The defendant fully expected to get away with it, and if not for his arrogant and controlling nature, he may have succeeded. Judge Lee said in a court, he is a ruthless murderer and feels compassion for no one and remorse only for the circumstances he finds himself in today. 
Capano showed no emotion as he learned his sentence and mouthed, it will be all right, to his mother and brother Joseph as he was led from the courtroom. On January 28th, the jury recommended in a 10 to 2 vote that Capano should be put to death by lethal injection. Tuesday sentencing in the is the end of a sensational trial and the beginning of what could be a long appeals process for Capano. Judge Lee scheduled Capano's execution to take place June 28th, but in uh, June 28th, but in Delaware it takes an average of eight and a half years for a death sentence to be carried out, which in my opinion if it took you, however long it took you to kill somebody, that's how long it should take them to execute you. I mean, an eye for an eye. That's mm-hmm. just like, I don't know why it takes eight and a half years. I mean, unless there's any kind of doubt that he didn't do this, but I think it's been proven. Um, yeah, look, so here's then, the, that's a big, that's a big cooler. Yeah, it's like a fishing cooler. Yeah. But that's the cooler that they used in the courtroom that this lady climbed into. And there's like an interview, somebody, um, she was on an, uh, some kind of, she was in a couple, I think, interview shows about how that uh, case kind of changed her life and what it was like being the woman that they laid in this cooler that ultimately changed the mind of like enough people to sway the vote. Yeah. Um, so, so were his brothers, anything ever happened to them or no? So I didn't find anything like that involvement, um, like yeah they're so like that's what I was thinking so I'm like the fact that they were sitting in the jury I was kind of like I don't know like I feel like why are you sitting in the jury when you are just as guilty as him like you knowingly not even like accessory or anything like that. Like I, not that I found. Um, it says here oh, um, on January 18th, the former state prosecutor and political advisor was convicted um, of murdering Fahi, the governor's secretary, in June 1996. He stuffed her body in a water cooler and then dumped her body at sea. Um, prosecutors said formally on record, Capano killed Fahi because she wanted to end their three-year affair. Fahi's body was never found. Prosecutors had to rely on testimony from Capano's brothers to get a conviction. Gerard Capano testified that he helped his brother dispose of the body while another brother, Lewis, admitted helping Thomas conceal evidence. For over two years after the murder, Capano never gave his account of Fahi's death, but at trial, Capano testified that his other mistress, Deborah McIntyre, killed Fahi out of a jealous rage and that he was trying to protect her. McIntyre denied any involvement in Fahi's murder and said she was not with Capano on the night of the incident. Which, I mean, could that also be a plausible... Because I could see mistresses getting... I mean, if you got all these mistresses... I feel like everyone's guilty. Yeah. Like, I'm like... You guys should all just be sitting there beside him for lethal injection at this point. Because you're just as bad. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so during closing arguments in the penalty phase of the trial, Capano refused to admit to Fahi's murder and told jurors he was not going to beg them for mercy, but he asked jurors to spare his life for the sake of his family. So this is the part that made me physically ill because like a true psychopath, he played the family and kids card 
to the jury to evoke like emotion and empathy that's like such a manipulative thing to do and this was literally what he said to them he was like i'm not going to ask you to sit here and beg for my life capano said i do ask you to consider my daughters my mother and the rest of my family for their sake i do ask that you let me live during the penalty phase of the trial, the Fahis testified that Campano not only ended Anne-Marie's life, but also cheated them of an opportunity to bury her. Prosecutors argued that the gruesome nature of Fahis killing and Campano's attempted cover-up warrant his death by lethal injection. In addition, the judge also had to consider evidence that Campano planned Fahis murder. Prosecutors said he purchased a gun a month before the slaying and asked his brother Gerard about the use of his boat. During the penalty phase, the state also attempted to prove a pattern of behavior in Campano by using evidence that he solicited the beating of a former love interest nearly 20 years ago. Linda J. Marindola told jurors he stalked her for months after they had two sexual encounters in the late 1970s. And according to Marindola, she eventually spurred, I don't know, spurned? I don't know what that means spurned capano and he hounded her so much that she finally had to leave delaware attorney james s green man man oh, i'm gonna mess this up marindola's former boss and capano's friend testified that capano told an fbi informant he wanted marindola hurt for rebuffing him the fa the fahis have filed a wrongful death suit against capano and his brothers for their involvement in the attempted cover-up for the murder so the family is definitely seeking retribution, especially from his brothers, because obviously they're just as bad. Um, but I had I didn't see anything in my research on did they ever get punished or but yeah. Just that's crazy how you wouldn't get something like, yeah, I was there, helped, you know. I swear my nose is so congested right now. I was like trying to get words out and I'm like, oh, I'm like, what's <laughs> happening? Um, but yeah, so I mean, I feel like that's just really messy. And yeah. like, especially like when I so when I got towards the end of like some of the statements and the research, what boggled my mind the most too was that nearly 20 years ago, like he beat the crap out of an ex-girlfriend. So he has very like rageful, jealous like behaviors. Yeah. And this girl just was smart enough to be like, hey, like I'm moving and I'm leaving. But I don't want to say smart enough because some girls, like, I don't think that they truly know somebody is as dangerous as they really are. Yeah. Um, but like she was like, All right, this guy's like stalking my life and he's probably gonna kill me. So like I'm gonna move. And she got away. But how do you, how are you that somebody that like is that high profile and just nobody notices red flags? Yeah. So, so uppity rich people high profile they think they can just get away with epstein it. that one gets me yeah but that's like a perfect example of somebody that's high profile but it happens all the time i mean it's sad to say it but if you have the money and you have the power those are the yeah. two perfect ingredients for a perfect cover-up and it's it's awful yeah so, but yeah, so that's, if you want to dive more into it, um, the case, I guess, um, again, is Thomas Capano. Um, it looks like there are a lot of movies when I was trying to look at like pictures and stuff like that. It looks like there are movies and I went on Amazon and I brought, bought the, the animal. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's it's honestly is, it's a crazy case yeah she is the the bundy friend she wrote the the stranger beside me i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to do that because i mean this really was interesting and i like had so many unanswered questions and like it wasn't like it was like super like this wasn't like you know 1902 like this was literally like relatively recent 20 years ago yeah like i'm like this was this is not like a time where i don't know i just i just feel like the his brother should have been yeah like that just gets me like if they blatantly and i don't know if they struck some sort of plea bargain with like hey if we sell our brother out and prove the evidence that you know that maybe they got off i mean i just didn't think it would be that easy especially if you were involved and who knows if that's like if that's just how much they were involved like how do you know that they didn't or if they were just like hey this is what happened this is how it went down like yeah like spilled it or if it was like oh yeah you know I might have been there I might have dumped that dumpster like it's like he had it all lined up with everything that he needed to do to get this like done yeah family involvement and he's trying to be like, oh, he's like, please just think of my daughters. Yeah, as soon as he used his daughters, I'm like, he will. I mean, the jury was. From what I did read, is that the jury, and I could be wrong on this. So if if you listen to this and I have some of my facts wrong, just let me know. Um, we can gladly change it. But I read that the jury was made up of a lot of females, and so I think, in tr- like I said, true psychopathic manner, he was just like let me play off of their raw emotion and what better way to get a woman than to bring kids into it because they're gonna be like oh like babies without their fathers and it's not like oh babies with a murderous psychopathic father you didn't care about them when you were doing it Uh, yeah (laughs) exactly exactly so yeah so you know um if there's movies and stuff like that, I miss that part. But I'm gonna, I may have to watch one of those too. But it's, it's yeah. a great case. I think all the cases we we talked about today were. This was this was a good one. And Nana made a guest appearance. Yeah. So I mean, this is a great episode, guys. You really, you better see this one through because we got some treats for you. Heck yeah! All these but, um, people, you need to listen. I still want like people to tell us their like creepy stories. Like I want to hear creepy stories I don't know (laughs) I you know honestly so thinking about because you got my brain churning when we were talking about ubers earlier I would love to do like a true crime episode of like write into us about like your worst like your like true crime uber encounter because I literally have one weird stuff like I just want to hear people's like crazy firsthand weird stuff I'm gonna put it on Facebook and be like please send us creepy stories yes what happened to you or like and if you're listening to this on spotify we have a spot for um questions and answers and we have um like there's like things on the the spotify that you can kind of contribute to so you know feel free if you want to send it to us that way or if you want to send it to us at the ghoul friend hour pod at gmail.com um you can send submissions there i want to hear people's crazy crazy stuff give us all your like near-death encounters because we know somebody you have given us enough in every category of crazy things so i'm telling you my uber story 
my uber story tops the cake dude that was the one time in my life i like genuinely had accepted i was like i'm either gonna tuck and roll out of this car or like this guy is gonna kill me my like, god it was wild and my aunt legitimately thought i was dead because like it was just it was it was bad it was bad and it happened like when i was really far from home on a business trip and so like i was by myself and i should have known better it honestly was a really like I was like that stupid girl in a horror movie that was like, is anybody there? And it's like, yeah, a murderer. Like that was like my brain cells just I don't know what happened because like That's being a true crime junkie and like a That's horror movie person. Club. Is anybody there? Yeah, murderer. <laughs> <laughs> like, that <laughs> that's literally my life like I don't know what all my common sense went out the window oh, so yeah so it was it was it was a time so I'm telling you we should get like near-death uber stories yes because that can get kind of weird or even hitchhike if you were ever a hitchhiker and you survived to tell the tale or had some kind of crazy experience like any true crime incidents that you survived I want to hear them <laughs> Or, like, I ever see the TikToks with people's parents who are like, oh, my mom was, like, rode in Ted Bundy's car and she yeah. survived. Like, I want those kinds of stories. If Even if it's your mom, s- submit your mom's story and then we'll bring her on. Like, yeah, I want it all. We'll, we'll put something on Facebook, see if people send anything in. Okay, I'm going to do the same thing. I want to read creepy people's, or not creepy people's, people's creepy stories. <laughs> and I want to be afraid to, like, go to bed at night. So, like, really scare us. Yes um but okay as we wrap up this session go ahead rachel close it out let's get weird weird. (laughs) (laughs) bye guys